Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God has a funny way of showing his love. First, we heard the story of Abraham. God chose him and gave him so many great and precious promises and then said, Now, go sacrifice your son. The son I promised you and gave you. The son you waited 25 years for. The son born to you and Sarah after you were old and had given up hope. The son through whom the promised Savior was to come. Go and sacrifice him. And not a little as a burnt offering. Which means first you slay your son and then you burn him so there is nothing left. If this is how God treats the people he chooses. Well, how does the saying go with friends like this? Who needs enemies? Then we heard the story of Jesus at the beginning of his public ministry. He is baptized by John, at which time the voice of the Father resounds from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And then the Spirit immediately, immediately drove him out into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days and lived with the wild Animals. This is how the Father treats his beloved Son. His Son, whom he brought shepherds and wise men to see. His Son, whom Simeon took up in his arms with great joy. His Son, who spent extra time in the temple questioning the teachers. His Son, who was the answer to so many hopes and prayers. This is how God treats his beloved son, driving him out into the wilderness and into the clutches of Satan. God has a funny way of showing his love. One that might cause us to ask, uh, God, do you love me? This past Wednesday, in addition to being Ash Wednesday, was Valentine's Day. And our culture has developed and designated certain ways of showing love. Flowers, candy, cards, special fancy meals. Maybe it's all a conspiracy by those who sell those things and want to make money, but if those are the ways we are told that show love, and many think so, and maybe they do, but if those are the ways we show love, then by those standards, we should question God's love. Where are the flowers, the candy, and the cards for Abraham and Jesus, or even for you and me? Why are things so hard? Why is life so unfair? Why is the world the way it is? And the conclusion that is drawn is that God is not very loving. God is mean. God is, well, 
Who knows? Unpredictable. So why bother? Why bother with a God like that? Well, maybe we're not thinking about love correctly. Maybe love is better reflected in what happens the other 364, or this year, 365 days that are not February 14th. The regular days, the ordinary days, even the days like when Jesus was baptized and then driven out into the wilderness, or when Abraham was told to sacrifice his son. What do these days teach us about God's love? That's good for us to think about and ponder. So that we do not doubt or despair of God's love. So that we don't think, why bother? This season of Lent is about struggle. Our struggle against sin, our struggle against Satan and temptation. Temptations not just to do things called sin, but temptations to turn away from the faith. Temptations to doubt God and His love. Temptations to think God isn't very good and loving. Temptations to think Why bother? That's what Satan wants. For you not to bother with God or at least for God not to have a very big part in your life. And if you think that's not you, this season of Lent is for us to take another look. For us to take stock and that maybe I'm a little farther down that path than I think. So I think one of the hardest struggles we have is not to judge God by our own standards, by what we see, by what we feel, by what seems right to us, by the way we think things should be, by our own version of right and wrong, and what's right or wrong for me in my life and situation, but instead to judge all things by God's word. Because our senses and our thinking can and will mislead us and deceive us. Which is why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, Which means, if you remember your catechism, that we pray that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us and mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. Or in other words, we pray that we remain strong and steadfast in the word of God. For that and only that is the sure guide to know God and his love. So that we may finally overcome them. 
That word overcome, that's a struggle word. Lent is about struggle. Our Lenten disciplines are about struggle. But even here, notice how Satan has twisted this away from what this struggle should be. Making it all about losing weight. Or watching less TV. Or some other kind of self-improvement. Those things might be good, and if you want to achieve those things, I wish you success. But those aren't the kind of spiritual warfare Lent is about. Satan likes that kind of Lent, where the focus is on you, not God. Where the focus is on you, not on prayer. Not on loving your neighbor. Not on scripture. That was not Abraham's and Jesus' Lent. Yeah, I know there wasn't a season of Lent back in those days, but these were their Lenten seasons all the same. Their seasons of struggle, of attack, of temptation, of prayer, of relying on the Word of God, on fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Above what I think, or want, or even love. And if we are to judge all things by God's word, what does the scripture say? That God disciplines those he loves. Now in that light, think of Abraham's story again. And especially perhaps those days leading up to the story we heard today. Did Abraham love his son, his son of old age, his son born to Sarah more than God? Did Abraham trust more in the fact of having a son than in God's promise? What did Abraham Fear most, God or losing his son? Now, we don't know all the answers to those questions. The scriptures don't tell us. But if Abraham's faith was perhaps being put in the wrong places, then wouldn't a merciful and loving God want to do something about that? Even if it was with a struggle like this. A struggle, I dare say, greater than any of us have ever had to face. Now, none of us has been told to do this, sacrifice a son, for none of us have had the promise that through our son would come the Savior. Abraham and his struggle was unique. But what does God want you to do? And what do you not want to do? Where is the struggle in your own life? What do you fear, love, and trust? Where are you turning for the good you need? Where is your struggle? Maybe that's exactly 
where God is being merciful and loving to you. Causing you to struggle. Exactly where you need it the most. And how are you doing with that? With your struggles. With your temptations. Are you the person spoken of in James? The one who has remained steadfast under trial. Or have you fallen short? I know the answer because I know my answer. So this season of Lent, we are called to repent. But even more than that, to see the one who is steadfast under trial, the one who is blessed, and the one who did receive the crown of life and did it all for you, to give it to you. And so after he is baptized, immediately Jesus is driven into the wilderness with the wild animals, the wildest of all, which is Satan. Jesus is tempted there for 40 days. Now Mark doesn't tell us what each of those temptations were like some of the other Gospels do. Because for Mark, that's not the point. For Mark, it's not Jesus as example how to fight. It's Jesus as the one who came to fight for us and win. It's Jesus as the one who remained steadfast under trial. And not just in the wilderness. But then especially on the cross. On the cross as our Isaac. When the Father, God the Father, did not withhold His only Son from us, but led Him up Mount Calvary and offered Him there as the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who takes away the guilt of our unsteadfastness. Who takes away the guilt of our failure to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Who takes away the guilt of our thinking we know better than God. Who takes away the guilt of our doubting God and His love. Who takes away the guilt of our judging God. Who takes away the guilt of our putting other persons or things above God. Who takes away our guilt of all that. Of all that which deserves not a crown of life, but the dust of death. He bore all that guilt and shame on the cross in our place. To give us the crown of life he earned in his place. The crown we could never earn for ourselves. But it's the gift of his grace. And then after those 40 days, John was arrested. Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, yes, but even more believe. Believe in the gospel. Believe this gospel. That Jesus has come to be your Isaac. To do this 
for you. To have the knife and fire of God's wrath against all the sin of all the world come down upon him as the burnt offering. But then to rise from the dust and ashes of death to life again. That we who lie in the dust and ashes of death have life again too. Abraham believed that God could do that for his Isaac if it had to be. And Abraham was right. God the Father, in fact, did it for his Isaac. The substitute for Abraham's Isaac. And the substitute for all of us, too. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And God did. For scripture tells us that the place where Abraham and Isaac went to sacrifice is the place where the temple was built for all those sacrifices and is the place where Jesus was crucified and sacrificed. And it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And it is. For from that mount, from the cross, The life of Christ is provided for us. That life we will again receive this morning as we eat and drink that very same body and blood that once hung on the cross and bore the sins of the world. That same body and blood that is now given for life. For the life of the world. That eating and drinking we receive the strength for this struggle. That we are in. So maybe God's way of showing his love isn't the same as how the world does it. Maybe that's good. That we learn what love really is. And that it's not just for a day. Or 365 days. But for eternity. And so a little struggle now. For an eternity of love? That seems worth it to me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.